Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 442. For something. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> Hello, Internet! Or not. Yeah, or not. Well, hello to you on-demand viewers tonight, because here at the studio, our internet is down. It is down. Sadly, we're going to make the best of it. We said before the show, we can either just sit around flying a teeny drone, or we can try to do the best darn show we can do with no internet. I voted for teeny drones, but I was overruled. Internet show with no internet. Hey, I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson, and please help me welcome Jeff Weston. I'm back, finally. Tonight, uh, we have had enough of games with good graphics, and so we're going to show you how to build a retro gaming console yes. using a Raspberry Pi and a little bit of ingenuity. I like it. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. You know, when you asked me what are some of the retro games that I love, yeah. it brought me back... Oh, just, you start going through them in your head. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing like, oh, yeah, them all. Othello. Oh, yeah, and I'm, picture, <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to all the music, and I found myself last night replaying all those, yep. like, meaty tunes in my head. Oh, yeah. Not to digress. Jeff, what's coming up in the news? Well, how do you have internet? What? I Let me just tell you, I'm amazing. That's why. It's his magnetic personality. It exudes internet. Yeah, no, I tethered to my phone. Oh, so I can get the nice. internet. I'm hardwired, so I don't. You are hardwired. Ah, I don't have the bandwidth. Stupid on my phone. wires! <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth on my phone to air this show live. So there'd ah. be a whole lot of lag. Sorry, going folks. On. You think we'd use it up, eh? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I want to see that phone bill. Newsroom, go. <laughs> okay. Here's what's coming up in the Category Five TV Newsroom. Six Flags guests will wear Samsung Gear VR on roller coasters for virtual reality experiences. It's kind of awesome. And Google is expanding its right to be forgotten in Europe. Samsung, again, is now shipping its 15 terabyte SSD hard drive. And Microsoft, I love this one for some reason, but <laughs> they've produced a version of its database software that runs on the rival Linux operating system. Nice. And pirates, they begin sophisticated. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Jeff has the internet over here because of his cell phone piggybacking internet. I don't know what's going on with ours. I suppose you're not with Bell. I am not with Bell, and uh, I'm sure everybody else in pretty much central southern Ontario. Yeah, you is, were showing me a heat map. Bell. It's a massive, massive dot. Something Basically, like fifty some odd percent of users reporting their energies. internet's down. Yeah, fantastic. Oh yeah, it's good. Uh, so. We're we're helpless as far as our internet goes from the server standpoint, but we're yep. going to do a darn good show anyways. And we're fortunate that tonight, Jeff, I had planned on working a Raspberry Pi demo. Yes. So I pre because you know when we do these kinds of things, it's about a gig download. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to do that live on the air. It takes that time. Take so I pre-download it at home. Yes. Bring it with me on a flash stick. And I am thanking my lucky stars tonight. He's a smart one because we can carry on and go about our show. Uh, even though uh, we we normally would have to just sit here twiddling our thumbs, so here we go. Well, we can still twiddle our thumbs. But we it can. Won't, it won't be as entertaining. We can still fly a teeny drone, and we will. That's so right. Stick around. But before we get into that, ha! 
Hillary Rumble has given birth. I saw to that. a little baby girl. It's amazing. Super excited. So her name is Dottie. Awesome. And six months ago today, I would have thought Dottie. That's an interesting name. Except I've been watching Miss Fisher, Murder Mysteries. Okay. On, on Netflix. Yeah. Great show. And her assistant is named Dottie, ah. which is short for Dorothy. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. I would have thought Doroth. <laughs> Doroth. This is my daughter, Doroth. <laughs> and let's hope your last name is Fader. Doroth Fader. Doroth yes. Fader. That would be awesome. But we welcome Dottie into the world, and congratulations to our co-host, Hillary Rumble, who has mm-hmm. been off for a little while. And that's her, She's got a that's good excuse. excuse. Yeah. 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 So, so we expect when, now she should be back within a couple weeks. When are we getting weeks. baby tech? <laughs> that would be cool. We did uh, Knee Bouncers a long time ago where uh, right. we, yeah. we looked at the, the gaming for babies. Yes. That was fun. Um, so it, it, could, it could happen. I'm going to talk to Hill about seeing what we can do about getting, getting Pro- Dottie on the show. on the baby. Yep. yep. Got to break her into the international scene. Absolutely. Okay, so Category 5 TV. It costs money to do this show, uh, as you know. And uh, it is a great chance for you uh, to to support the show that you love and Mm -hmm. the shows that you love. Category 5 TV is on Patreon. That's what I'm getting to. Yes. Patreon's a really cool platform because what you can do is you can say, you know what, I want to contribute 25 cents a week to this show or this network um i want to give maybe you can do more maybe a a dollar or two or something like that and it's it basically we say per episode of category five technology tv because it's a weekly show that means per week so um so the 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 smallest amount that we ask you to contribute is 25 cents and what that does is um power in numbers if there's enough people who all give 25 cents per episode then our bills would be paid Yes. And we're nowhere near there right now. And when I say that, I really want you to please consider the fact that um, that your 25 cents can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And we've purposefully made it a very small number because we want it to be achievable to basically everyone. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, there are people out there right now who think, oh, yeah, I could give 25 cents an episode. Sure. No problem. But I'm not doing it yet. And, and if everyone would get in on that ba- bandwagon all at once, then, uh, then things would be a lot smoother here. And it, it, we have good months and we have bad months sure. with our advertising. And uh, because we're all volunteers here, it's not like a business where we have uh, constant income or anything like that. Right. But we do have a constant outlay with rent, yes. with insurance, with uh, our Internet service, all of these things. What gonna, Internet service? I'm going to have to get the Internet <laughs> service on the phone tomorrow and say, what's going on here? Yep. You know, I'm paying X number of dollars to have internet why are we without internet tonight yep and and that's the conversation i'm going to have to have and and so you know all these things you know there's time there's money and all that but so please evaluate whether or not you can give as little as 25 cents or more uh per per episode and then uh, you'll be making a huge difference uh for the category 5 tv network uh for other viewers as well who enjoy the programming and it's family safe family friendly programming that's mm-hmm. kind of our goal uh baby we- safe 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, totally not planned, but uh, I guess babies love this stuff. Absolutely. Okay, babies, are you ready to see the teeny drones? It's so cute. <laughs> Look at this so cute little teeny drone. You know what's scary? I walked in the studio earlier, and that's what he said to me. He's like, do you want to see the, ra- the, the teeny raspberry teeny pie? Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> raspberry pie. It's really cute, too. See how baby-friendly we are? We've got teeny drones. We've got raspberry pie teeny computers. Can we start calling it the teeny computer? Uh, sure. Teeny drones, teeny computers. They're about... Yeah, the, to scale. You got the little teeny micro SD. Teeny micro SD. We're all about micro here. I'm telling you. Uh, okay, so teeny drones. We, uh, if you do contribute on Patreon, we're going to uh, add you to the draw. Uh, the first 100 people who support us are going to be able to qualify to win a teeny drone. I got to make sure that I'm on camera and then do a flip. Oh, oh. And then crash bomb. But that's what's great about the, the teeny drones. You can keep flying. Yeah, right. Am I upright? I have no clue. Oh, look at that. You were. And he, he <laughs> That's <recovers>. amazing. <laughs> oh, that is just too funny. <laughs> That's what's great about teeny drones, as Jeff says. <laughs> you, you can crash them. You can burn them. And, well, don't burn them. No. But, but you can crash and burn, as the saying goes. That's right. And you'll still be able to fly. <laughs> okay. Well played. Yes. <laughs> Cat <laughs> five. I've got to tell you how to get it. Cat5.tv <laughs> slash... Uh, sorry, cat5.tv slash Patreon. That's what we were there talking we about. I started giving go. you the address for the Raspberry Pi. There. <laughs> Should we get into it? Sure, why not? Okay. Um, so the Raspberry Pi is a microcomputer. You've seen it here on the show. It's itty-bitty tiny. And this week I've got, Jeff, a cool little case for one that was sent to us. Uh, I'm going to add this to really? cat, yeah, cat5.tv slash pi. You can go there and get the whole kit with the Raspberry Pi. Uh, but somebody saw us uh, building cases, and I've had it running here. And, yep. and you know, here's a, a cheap little case that we're going to add to the site. But this... It looks pretty all right. That's awesome. Um, but it's solid PVC. Yep. One, th- The first thing that stands out to me about this particular case is that it covers the GPIO port. Which is good. And a lot of them have that wide open because if you want to expand, um, then, yeah, you want that to be wide open. But if you don't, in you my case, it. for example, yeah, I want to protect it. Now, as we're doing this build, this particular build is uh, tonight we're building a Raspberry Pi-powered retro gaming console. So excited. Yeah. So you have to think about, okay, am I going to use the GPIO ports for this build? If you think you're going to be building this into a cab, if you want to build an actual retro cabinet and turn this thing into a real project, which I do, you can do that. Uh, the GPIO ports can be used to, um, to connect to um, controllers and things mm-hmm. like that that are not your basic like USB right. or Bluetooth controllers. Uh, so we're talking actual cabinet controllers if you want to get into some soldering and build some stuff. Uh, there are some controllers that you can get that will use the GPIO uh, nice. or interfaces that will turn the GPIO into, for example, uh, a connector for old Nintendo controllers. Okay. But is it worth it? Because now you can go over to Amazon through, please use our uh, affiliate link. You can go through That's our right. partners page, go to category5.tv, support the show, and then uh, you'll see our partners. Uh, but if you go through Amazon, you can do a search for retro um, gamepad. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that you can actually get USB uh, remakes of retro controllers. So there's the original Nintendo Entertainment System controller and things like that awesome. that work out of the box with the Pi because it's USB. Which is very cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's take a look at this case. It's got some screws, so I guess you actually screw it together. I'm used to the snap together part uh, kind, so um, how easy is this? So this Pi kit is available uh, on our website, cat5.tv slash pi. Looks like you just kind of shimmy it in there. Oh, yeah. There we go. And oh, the holes awesome. all line up nice. Everything's lined up nice. This is pretty sleek, but pretty basic and cheap at well, the same sure, time. Yeah. So, uh, and that's part of the beauty of Raspberry Pi. Okay, look at that. Oh, man. HDMI out right there, 1080p. We've got uh, USB input for power. We've got the headphone jack output or yep. audio out, four USB ports and Ethernet, and all in a nice, sleek little package. Now, my Raspberry Pi has uh, heat sinks added to the processors. Yes. That's something that uh, Sasha and I did, and that comes with the kit that you okay. can find on our website. Uh, and that just helps. I'm just noticing that there's not a lot of heat dissipation in this case, so right. the heat sinks will definitely help. There is a, a vented area at mm -hmm. the back here, along with the micro SD port. All right, so... That is great. I like that. Should I put the screws in and, and actually finalize this thing? I guess I should, eh? Sure, why And then that's when I'll realize, oh, but I need to put in the micro SD card. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so four, four screw holes, but I got five screws, so I guess just in case... In case you... One of the screws didn't work, they sent you an extra one. In case you've got a screw loose. Yeah. There we go. Look at that. It's actually pretty solid. You know, and something like that, I mean, if you put one of those, like, little 3M stickies, you can load it to the back of a monitor or something Oh, like now that. you're talking my, my language. Yeah. You get a little 6-inch uh, HDMI cable. Yeah. Okay. And run from the HDMI output of the Pi, a little 8- or 12-inch um, USB cable, mm -hmm. and plug it into the service port of your TV. Yep. As long as it has two amps, okay? You want right. to have a nice, powerful output. If not, you can pick up one of these, uh, these power stations that we have on our site, cat5.tv slash pi. That's what we're using tonight is 2.1 amps. And I only recommend it because I love it. It's awesome. And uh, that's going to give you enough power. So if your TV's port, if you see that little icon up at the top right of your pi while it's booting, and you know that it's not getting enough power, you can add something like that, and it will give you right. more, more juice. So and then, like you say, nice. double-sided carpet tape to the back of the TV, yeah. and you've got a retro gaming TV. Oh, love it. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about what? how we can actually operate this thing um, as far as from a gaming perspective goes. We're okay. starting with, okay, so we've got the Raspberry Pi. I've got it in a nice, beautiful little case, yep. and it is a perfect perfect fit. Look at that. Nice and solid. You that can, is amazing. That's great. Um, so we've got that. Uh, that's uh, cat5.tv slash pi. We've got a keyboard, a USB keyboard, which we're only going to use for the original initia initialization yep. just to get this thing up and running. Then, okay, we've got our USB power. We've got, uh, I'm going with Ethernet, but you could also use a Wi-Fi dongle if you want. I right. like Ethernet because it's faster, more reliable. Yep. But... Keep in mind that for this particular build, you're only going to need Ethernet or any kind of networking while you're loading ROMs onto it. Of course. Because uh, you don't need internet access from a retro console. Right. Right? Like Mario Kart does not use the internet. So I don't remember just Wi Fi with my done. Atari. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Atari 2600 with, <laughs> with collaborative gaming That's on right. Defender. Oh, playing Pong online. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'm sure it exists. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so then, talking about the keyboard that we've got to set this thing up, and HDMI cable, of course, going out, we yep. also have a USB Bluetooth dongle. Now, we, this is all, none of this is tried and true. 
So okay. what's happening here, even though we're doing this recorded only because we have no internet at the studio, we're operating this show as if we're, we are absolutely live. From right. our perspective, this is real time. Everything happens as it would if we were actu- actually live. Um, so this is a Bluetooth dongle, and why do you think I would have brought that? Maybe because of the Bluetooth <gasps> controllers. What? PlayStation 3 motes? Love it. We can also connect things, uh, like I mentioned, USB uh, controllers. Mm -hmm. So basically game pads and joysticks and things like that. You can plug them in and and they'll operate. Um, You just got to calibrate them. Then you can also go with uh, a little step further. If you don't have uh, PS3 remotes, which are Bluetooth, Mm -hmm. then we can try things like um, Wiimotes. Wiimotes. Okay. That gets a little more complicated, and I haven't done it yet, but I'm definitely going to do it at the house, uh, and we'll, we'll show it on the show. But uh, that's something that I'm curious about because typically the Wiimotes require the bar above the TV. Right. So does it allow for motion sensing, or is it only the D-pad controller? Ooh, good question. That's what I wonder. But that said, D-pad controller is pretty cool compared to using a keyboard, especially when it's completely wireless. But I think my choice would probably be these these kind of controllers. The PlayStation 3 remotes look pretty sweet. Uh, I think they work perfectly. Yeah, cool. So yeah. Okay, so let's get right into it. We've got our micro SD card. This little itty bitty, because we are so baby friendly. <laughs> this is not baby friendly, actually. This is a choking hazard, folks. That, this is go. a serious choking hazard. You'd be waiting for this 16-gig card to come out the other end and hope that it still works. And it probably would. A little bit I'd, of toothpaste. Just, I could put that th- I really don't want to try. No. You can clean that one off. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I would just go buy another one. They've come down in cost, folks. They've yes, come they down have. In cost. All right. Uh, moving along, then. So let's see how this works with the, with the case. Now, I've screwed this all together. So um, this goes in with the lettering toward the bottom. Yep. There we are. Snappy, snappy. Nice and flush. That's incredible. That's a really good design. I like that. I like that very much. All right. So this micro SD card, okay, before I just wanted to see that, but let's uh, let's throw this into the micro SD card adapter, which I have here, which came with uh, one of my drones. Mm -hmm. There we go. And then this just makes it into a USB uh, chip. So I can Love plug it. that in. Okay, so plug that into uh, the laptop there. All right. Because he's got the internet, right? There we go. Inside. Okay. And the, the program that we're going to be using is based on Raspbian. We've talked about Raspbian on, yes. uh, on the show. It's Debian for Raspberry Pi. It's already adapted. And then it comes uh, already pre-set up with a bunch of emulators and everything else that you need to get going. Uh, so what you want to do, well, it's called RetroPie. And maybe, Jeff, if you could bring up their website. Sure. It's a little bit of a, a funny um, website address. So what I've done is I've created a short link for you, and you just go to cat5.tv slash RetroPie. And in this particular case, now, while the Raspberry Pi does not have an E on the end, RetroPie does. Okay. So they're going with actual, like, it's a slice of pumpkin pie there on your right. screen <laughs> so that's uh that's what we're looking at a pixelated piece of pumpkin pie so this is um uh basically a, an adaptation of the uh, raspbian operating system for raspberry pi and it comes with the emulators all pre-configured everything ready to go out of the box so can we show them how to actually download this sure i think the easiest thing to do would be to scroll down the page here 
and you're going to see a link to downloading the uh, the SD card. So yes. this is a, an image file. There you go. What is the RetroPie SD card image and its features? So if you follow the link to the RetroPie SD card image, bloop, there we go, and just scroll down a ways, and you're going to see two options there. Okay, RetroPie SD card images. You've got RetroPie SD card image for Raspberry Pi 1 and Pi 0, and the one for the 2 and the 3, because, of course, the 3 has just recently been launched we're using a raspberry pi 2 right uh so that's the one that we're using so that's the one that i'll get you to click on jeff all right clicking and from there we've got two versions standard which is what we're going to be installing and then there's the berry boot version uh berry boot basically what that does is it gives you dual boot multi-boot okay so because now I want to go with the standard version because I want to load this thing up with games right fair enough I've got a 16 gig card I could put the games on a USB stick and have, uh, you know, a 128 gig USB stick. That's possible too. But um, I'm not going to put other operating systems on this at this point. However, you might say, maybe I want to dual boot this thing. Maybe mm-hmm. I want to be able to turn it on as a gaming console at some times and then boot it up as an internet uh, terminal other times or whatever right. else. Um, so those are, that's an option with the Berry Boot version. Um, no, let's be real though we're talking mm. retro games you could probably get them all on what about 16 megabytes yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, things like the atari 2600 every single game ever released under ntsc so united states canada um 14 14 megabytes 14, 14 megabytes. megabytes that's amazing by irc um but where you start to now let's look at um if we can click on to the first installation instructions there sure we're going to look at a list and and this is, we could spend the whole hour telling you the different emulators that are supported here. Oh, yeah. And so it starts, this is alphabetical. So we've got, see over on the right-hand side there, 3DO, Adventure Game Studio, Amiga. And that's just A, Atari, all of this stuff. And look at that list. It's massive. Don't mind the fact that it says activate Windows. We will never do that. <laughs> uh, so look at it all. But, okay, what do we notice? We've got, um, all right, so it starts with, like, the Sega 32X, and then yeah. we've got the N64. Uh, we've also got the I still Sony. have a Nintendo 64 at home. You the do? The actual console. Well, we're going to have one right here. Yeah, mine's a little bit bigger. This is baby friendly. <laughs> baby friendly. Baby friendly. That's yeah, our new that term. That probably works better than mine. I notice on your list there. Look under S. What S. are we seeing? We start to see things like, or under P. Pardon me. Uh, play, uh, I was thinking Sony, PlayStation One. PSP. PSP. But nice. th- see, then we're getting into the the higher end gaming of the retro gaming era. Yeah. So as we step into PlayStation games, now all of a sudden we go from a game being one kilobyte to 900 megabytes right right so that's when we start to see games getting larger because this thing will emulate for any of those old systems so classic final fantasy yeah and i don't know how big that is so okay so where do you get the games well that's the question that we cannot answer because it's you it's it's a tough call right it's one of those gray areas these are abandonware games and yep. some would say you can download them on the internet they're free you can download the rom files someone has copied them uh for you and you can download them fine um illegally you should own the games right so if you you say you've got the n64 at home yes go through your stack of games yep and you can import those as roms yes. using special tools in order yes. to do that 
I guess it's a gray area. You could probably, and, and this is just my own opinion. I'm, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a geek. Um, you could probably download the ones that you own. Mm-hmm. If you have the cartridges, kind of like me yep. buying a CD and then, you know, it's not here yet or maybe it's and, and downloading the MP3 or I, I'm assuming so. I haven't looked into it's, it. It's again, it's a gray area, right? So, yeah. But um, if you own the cartridges, then you, you own the game as far as your copy goes. And so you can put it on here. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. And I do know that that is something that we I don't know if it's unique to Canada but that's something like if you own a DVD you can have a digital version of it yeah and I guess it it does it depends on where you are in the world eh? like some places will say you've got to own a copy for everything that's right Microsoft check your country and your county and your city copyright codes and all that good stuff yeah but in the meantime the unofficial answer is you can download them yeah they're online you can find them yeah you can find them. I can't show them to you because we got to keep things legit. Uh, but legit uh, that's 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 my 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 spiel. Okay, so th- we're going to start with getting this thing downloaded and installed. So yes. we found the uh, the download for the SD card image. Yep. We know that this has got all these different things, and then you've got actually just a little bit down on your screen there, Jeff. You've got the SD images yep. for those files. Now, don't click on one because I know you're using your cellular internet service. But if you point to one, uh, you'll see that it's going to give you uh, an image.gz file. Yes. So what that is, is that it's an image file uh, ready to be copied over to the Pi, but it's been compressed with GZ, GZIP. Okay. If you're on Linux, you can open that up with your favorite archive tool, extract the file, and then uh, you can, uh, you're done, right? It's extracted, and now it's an image file. Mm -hmm. If you're on Windows, as Jeff is over here, he's going to have to use a tool called 7-Zip, which you can download for free. Just get onto your favorite search engine, type in 7-Zip, and you'll download that tool, and that's going to give you uh, the ability to decompress GZ files. Sounds painful. Yeah, they're distributing it as a gz file so that it saves space on their server or bandwidth or whatever it is okay so we've downloaded that as i mentioned before the show uh i already downloaded that so with that card in there you're going to bring up a tool that's on the desktop uh called uh let's see it is that tool is win 32 disk imager on Windows, right up at the top there. It looks like a oh, there strange, we go. Yeah, little flash drive. Once that's up, all you have to do is browse to that image that we downloaded. Now, I've already extracted it there. Uh, and just select it. And that'll bring it up into the Win32 disk imager. And uh, then just make sure you select the right device. Now, I've only got the one that you just inserted there, Jeff, so yes. we're good. But uh, it's going to wipe. See, as I hit right, it's going to wipe everything on that device. So make sure that you've got the right device selected. Through the magic of TV, we can speed things up, and it is done. Love it. How do you like that? Time travel. Done and done. Now, of course, if you're on Linux, you can use the DD command, follow the directions that are on the website. Ooh. Same goes for Mac users. We're using a, a Windows system today because my Linux system is not connected. But I figured, hey, it's a good opportunity to show Windows users how to do it anyway. Sure. So Absolutely. Could you eject that drive for us now? And we'll uh, yes. uh, put that into the Pi and fire this bad boy up. All right. So Raspberry Pi here. We've got HDMI. There we go. We've got Ethernet. Ooh, we've got micro SD. Thanks, Jeff. That goes in here. So this now has RetroPie. <gasps> I almost put it in without it actually going into the slot. Be careful, folks. There it is. 
now it's snapped in. Okay, so what else do I need? I need the keyboard because we're going to need to actually yes. control this the first couple times. So that's going to go in USB. And then power is also a USB micro here. There we go. So this is our new TV server that looks like a spider of wires right now, but it Very won't be awesome. when it's all done. Okay, so now hit the power switch on our cyber power power unit here. And let's see what happens. Here we go. I see some raspberries. Ooh, raspberries. <clears throat> oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Retro pie, my friends. Can you believe we're already... Wow, like this is a process uh, uh, that takes... How long has this taken us? Like 20 minutes to get this thing up and going? Yeah. And we're almost it. there. We're almost... We're just booting up here. Um, just so you know... Okay, there we go. Emulation station is, uh, is loading up. Just so you know, we did speed up the camera there for a moment, but it was only two minutes that we cut off the video. Okay, so now it says no game pads detected. Obviously, we don't have any. Uh, we can hold in a key on our controller. So in this case, we've got the USB keyboard. Yep. Let's see what happens as I hold the control key. Oh, keyboard. keyboard. Detected. Okay, so now, D-pad up. Oop. Or I could use W. Uh, D-pad down. Oh, down. I prefer the W. D-pad left. But... Yeah. Uh, D-pad right. Right. Uh, start. Let's press, uh, what do you think? Enter, I would think. Sure. Select. Um, select, select, space. Yeah, sure. Hey, holy cow, there's a lot of controls. A. a. B. Yeah, I made control. B, I'm going to make the start button. C, or X. Why is it not alphabetical? <laughs> <laughs> just to trip you up. Yeah, I know, because I'm just in my mind. I'm like, one, two, three is the next one, right. logically, because we're baby-friendly here. <laughs> uh, okay, so X is going to be Alt. Uh, now I'm running out of keys here. Y is going to be the slash. Oh, it won't take my slash key. Can I go with the right control? Okay, so it just keeps going. Wow. Okay. That's nutty. Left bottom. <laughs> so a keyboard is probably not the most ideal controller i'm going th yeah. through this so here's a question though how is that going to work with something like the ps3 controller i don't have that many options well what do we got we've got left right up down left right up down yep one two three four one two three four one two three four and then the how many is that did anyone count uh, more than two because we're baby friendly a, B, <laughs> X, Y. What do we got? Eight. One, two, three, 12, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty controls. And then twenty-one, twenty-two. And then plus, and pl push, 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 twenty-three, twenty-four. Wow. Something like that. So you've got a lot of buttons on there. I do. I have okay. more buttons than I realized. All right. But uh, so we can keep going left bottom. What am I going to do? Z, X. Let's just get through this. Sure. I'm never going to be able to control a game now. I don't know. Right. <laughs> ah. Keyboard, not ideal. F4 exits <laughs> and gets you to the terminal. But we can actually use SSH to control this too. It's a yes, Pi. It's a Pi. Right. So over on my Linux computer, because my poor Linux computer is feeling so lonely tonight, uh, let's actually bring up our terminal. Let's see if I can find you. There we go. All right. And let's go. Uh, SSH. Pi at 
192.168.0.101 is my Pi, I believe. There we go. Uh, and enter your password as Raspberry. Okay, there we go. So it says we've got uh, this running on a 15-gig card. We're using 2.2 gigs so far, and 12, point, uh, 12 gigs are available. So it says that it's got all the space available for us, but I do want to be absolutely sure uh, that I'm going to be able to utilize all the space on my micro SD card. I'm going to see if we have the raspy config command. Uh, oh, and I should say too, I have seen it in the in the forum. Somebody was saying uh, I typed if config on mm-hmm. my Pi on uh, on RetroPie, and it gave me the IP address of 127.0.0.1. Okay. So that made me think, because I'm, I'm already connecting to 192.168.0.101. It's going to be different right. for you because it's assigned by your router. Right. You can get that from your DHCP on your router, or, see, if you type ifconfig, uh, yeah, this one actually gave it to me. See it up at the top there? Yep. Yours may not. So that's because you may have to type sudo ifconfig, and that will then give you um, all of them. It's also possible that it might fall onto the next screen, in which case you can do uh, sudo ifconfig uh, pipe less, and then it will actually paginate it for you, and you hit space to see the next page. That can be helpful for you, too, if you've got, uh, for some reason, it's uh, looping back, and then you go colon Q to quit. Okay, so that's that. Um, let's go rasp, uh, sudo raspy-config. There we go. Expand file system. It's going to do that for us. Done. Root file, uh, root partition has been resized. That's the first thing. You want to change your user password just so that it's not Raspberry um, because this one is not going to be connected to the Internet. I'm not overly concerned. Boot options. Uh, choose whether to boot into. Okay, that's fine. One of the other things you're going to notice. Now, if I go back to the Raspberry Pi, um, now with this one, emulation station let's bring that back up you notice the black bars around the edge yes that's called overscan okay and if you're watching this right now and you see this on your tv and you see those black bars you probably want to turn off overscan on your pie because that creates those black bars that's because of the old uh oops sorry uh thanks jeff there we go there there it's the right screen. That overscan is uh, is due to um, compatibility with older screens. Okay. Older screens, the bezel used to cover up part of the display. Right. Yes. And so they would use overscan to bring in the picture a little bit so that things were not falling off of the screen. In your case, if you're watching this on an HD TV, it's quite likely that that overscan is actually giving you black bars, in which right. case we, we want this to fill your entire screen. So um, we're going to find that option. Let's see. I'm not sure if that's in. Yes, it is. Okay, it's under advanced. And then overscan. Would you like, what would you like to do? I'd like to disable overscan. Now let's see uh, if that, no, that change didn't immediately take effect. So let's, uh, so just maybe, to confirm. Maybe you need to finish it? I might, I might have to, and I might have to reboot. Um, but there it is. Overscan is enabled, disabled. Okay. Or is it the other way around? Could be. No. Overscan enable? No. So it doesn't take effect right away. And that's fine. Overscan disabled. Finish. Would you like to reboot now? Yes, yeah. Well, let's, let's do it. And let's see if, uh, if overscan is gone when we, uh, 
when we reboot here. System is going down for a reboot now. Here it goes. Ooh, colors. Oh, look at that. It's right to the edge. Ah, ah there worked. you go. It worked. So now, if you're watching this on that same HD display, you see this is now filling your monitor. And that's something that I definitely would want to do uh, for this system as I'm going to be hooking it up to the flat screen TV. Yes. So it doesn't take too long to boot. Let's let it. You know, for the record, I'm incredibly excited about this. Are you? Yeah. I've said to my wife a couple times, I want to make a retro gaming system with a Raspberry Pi for my kids' purposes. Because, there you go. I mean, I look back at that stuff. I loved it. Yeah. Those are the games that defined who I am today. <laughs> so, Qbert. Wa- that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I love about it is that um, gaming back then was so much different. It was so yes. puzzle based, so strategy based. That's right. Um, there was a real mind to it and a plan to it, other than, of course, uh, Atari 2600's version of ET. That right. was mindless nonsense. That well, that is true, but everything else okay let's jump back here (laughs) there it is right to the screen edge it looks beautiful i want to get gaming could we could we try let's make this uh these controllers work okay let's see if we can get it to go so i'm going to jump back to my ssh terminal here or over here i could hit f4 on my keyboard and then i'm going to be into um the pi uh login as well so that i can start administering it i'm going to do it through ssh so that i can zoom in nice and close for you Raspberry. Now we'll see that the uh, the file space is still the, it's showing the same, but we know because we've clicked on it that it's expanded to the entire file system. So right. now we want to go sudo halt, and that actually powers off our Raspberry Pi. So it's already happening. There it goes. See, that's the actual Pi screen. Yep. And uh, so now it's halted, and I'm good to turn it off and everything else. So I'm going to flip the power switch here on my power unit and then we're going to plug in the Bluetooth. Yes. So we have to be at a full powered off state in order to connect the Bluetooth because we want it to actually pick it up during boot because the way Linux works is um, you don't have to install a whole bunch of drivers. It'll just pick up the stuff as you boot it up and then it works. How do you like that? So Bluetooth installed. I'm going to leave the keyboard connected, even though we're probably not going to need it at this point, because yep. we can SSH in to do terminal stuff. We can, uh, we can do everything else with the gaming controller. So now I'm going to power that on, and Pi is coming up. There we go. Your game controller, he's already turned it on. He's excited. I've already turned it on. I, yeah. I can't wait. So let's see what, uh, once this is up and running... This is Category 5 Technology TV, and our website is www.category5.tv. Tonight, we are looking at RetroPie. We are turning this little itty-bitty Raspberry Pi into a retro gaming console, and this is the moment of truth. We're going to see if we can get these PlayStation 3 remotes up and running. That'd be nice. That would be cool. Okay, here it goes. It's booting. It's a booting. Good opportunity for me to take a sip of my coffee. Yes. Emulation station is loading, so... See, and you're you're drinking coffee, and here I'm just like waiting to go. Yeah, you're I, ready. I just to want a retro game, game want a on game. a modern controller. <laughs> okay, there we go. So now, if you hold a button on your device, does it start working? If you push any of the control buttons, nope. There you go. Nothing at all. Not yet. Nothing doesn't work at all. Show's over, folks. Wait a minute. Let's see if we can make it work. Oh yes. Okay. It's like a mystery. Oh, I fooled you. I fooled you. Okay. 
SSH back into my system, or I can hit F4 on the keyboard if I'd like. If you maybe you don't have SSH or you don't have this thing network connected, that's fine. Uh, enter your password, Raspberry. That's with a P. Don't forget it. Uh, okay, so if we do an LS, we're going to see the different uh, folders that are there. LS-LH. Whoa, there's a lot of hidden stuff. Nice. Cool. Uh, so CD, RE, RetroPie, dash, setup. Okay, now I'm hitting tab to fill that in for me. Uh, remember, it's, uh, it's case sensitive. So there, here's the folder. Now we're going to go RetroPie, setup.sh. And notice I put a dot slash RetroPySetup.sh. That's to execute this program. Script must be run as root. Okie dokie. Let's go sudo RetroPySetup.sh. Now, let's see what happens. There we go. Binary-based installation, source-based installation, setup configuration, experimental packages, install individual emulators, uninstall RetroPy. Not a chance. Update RetroPy setup script. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, yeah, we don't have internet. So that's okay. You want to update your script. That's right. I can't. All right, but that's important because um, just in case there's been an update, a fix, a correction, something like that. I want to make sure you've got the latest. Yeah, I want to make sure. I'm going to terminate that because we have no internet here. Okay, so let's go with setup configuration. And what do we want to do? We want to find our controller. So let's see if we can install pair PS3 controller. This is going to be the moment of truth. Are you ready to, like, zippity-doo-dah go Did through the Did you seriously have to ask that question? I don't know. I'm, I was born ready. You were born ready. Baby-friendly born ready. I was born ready to play retro games with a PS3 controller. See these lights? They're flashing. I'm ready to go. It's like waiting to sink. That's right. It's just a waiting. <laughs> All right, so install pair PS3 controller, install, okay, all these other options. Let's just try the first one. Ready for it? Yes. Did not find needed packages. Oh, no way. Does it need ye old internet? It needs ye old internet, folks. How can we pair the Raspberry Pi to your phone? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, For we? those who are watching tonight, um, this uh, we hmm. actually have lost internet here at the studio. It's okay. We know that it's going to work. It, oh, isn't uh, that unreal? All right. How, do, going how do we over. pair to my phone? Oh, there's just no time. There's just no time. With the Pi, though, you could add an Ethern, uh, a Wi-Fi adapter to the USB port, connect to Wi-Fi. No problem, right? I don't have one handy, unfortunately. So that's... That's the final step to con connecting your controller. What it's going to do, Jeff, because you're going to need to know this when you take one of these I home do and need start to know sending this. it up. Um, so make sure you are connected to the internet because when you first connect this, it's going to need to download a bunch of stuff yes. that's going to allow that controller to work. With that Bluetooth connection, it's going to connect to that controller and it's going to start asking you, okay, left, right, up, down, and you've got to be quick to push those on your controller so that it programs the uh the RetroPie to work with that controller in the key, with the keys that you want right you can always change them by running the config again but the reason i say be quick is because you only get three seconds per button before it moves on to the next one right so it's a it's on a timer you got to be lickety split okay so that's unfortunate jeff i'm sorry man that's okay we're gonna have to do this with my blooming keyboard uh, <laughs> okay now here's a question and and maybe this isn't quite 
RetroPie related, but okay. one of the questions that was asked on the forum for tonight, because I am live with my phone. Oh, that's nice. Um, is is Rev was asking if a Pi would be good as a server and bringing up this idea of not being able to connect to the Wi-Fi on my phone. Is that something that you'd have to make an adaption for with your Pi and turning it into some sort of a server for oh, Wi-Fi no. purposes? Or? Well, because well on Wi-Fi, sure, you need to just install a uh, insert a Wi-Fi adapter, right? USB, okay. right? Uh, however, for a server, you would go Ethernet. And I do have in Ethernet. You notice I'm able to SSH yes. into it, no problem. It's just that my Ethernet is not the, currently yeah. carrying an Internet connection. And okay. that's just our ISP went down 40 minutes before the show, and there's it's out of our hands. Right. What can you do? There's probably some maintenance going on or something like that. Okay. Um, but I think it would make a pretty decent server, and I actually recently um, created a, a LAMP stack, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP, on um, the Raspberry Pi. And it, it was smoking fast. It works really great. Now, obviously, if you're going to make it as a server, you, you'd have to have two Pies, or else if you're going to boot into your games, because like, you couldn't run them simultaneously, could you? No, uh, if you were using it as a, like a web server or something? Well, he or was asking kind of about uh, just a home network server. Oh, okay. Um, Samba file sharing and something things like, like that. that. Yeah. The Pi um, with RetroPie does have Samba. Okay. Installed. So if you know your way around Linux, you could actually set it up to be a Samba server for a NAS device. Okay. Pardon me. So you could connect, for example, an external hard drive through USB, connect it in via the uh, FS tab file, mm -hmm. use the already pre-configured Samba installation to create a new NAS share, and then you'd be able to connect to that. Okay. Even though the kids are playing video games. Right. So it could work. It could definitely work. Certainly powerful enough. Now, if you get into, you know, I mentioned Mario Kart is a great, yes. great retro game. Um, you're going to do two-player on that. As you do two-player on that, the resources are going to be used fairly, fairly excessively on the Pi. Um, Raspberry Pi 2 and certainly the 3 are much more powerful than, say, the 1 or the 0. So, um, so you're probably going to do okay. But right. you may notice a little bit of a lull in, in your, your um, throughput and capabilities during right. that time so then i guess more of the story is make it a retro pie as opposed to home server because it's way more yeah fun. just play with it man <laughs> get four of them they're so that's, cheap that's right cat5.tv slash pie buy like a hundred of them that would be a good idea okay the the final moment of truth is is simply uh, and it's unfortunate i don't have a controller working oh can you believe that i know and i we have them. everything except Internet. You okay. charged it and everything. It's okay. And Next it's already time. ready to go. <laughs> that stinks. I'm sorry, folks. That's all right. It works, okay? And it's an amazing feature to be able to use your actual game controller, especially Wi-Fi. Of course. Or, or Bluetooth. Bluetooth, but yeah. wireless, I mean. So cool. Uh, that's cool. Okay, so mention game ROMs. Okay, yes. how do we actually install these? I have this Pi connected to the network, yep. so I can do it through networking, through the Samba shares, as we were talking, Rev mm -hmm. Um You can also pop in a USB flash drive. It's going to create a file system on that flash drive. After a couple of moments, you can unplug it, plug it into your computer, and you'll see the structure, which shows NES, PlayStation, uh, and all these different consoles. And then you just drop your ROMs into those, then plug it back into the Pi, and it will sync back to the file system. Okay. And then you can play the games after a reboot. So what we're going to do is, because I've got networking, I'm going to do this through the Samba uh, mount point instead. So for me to do that, uh, we're just going to bring up a uh, uh, computer window. 
and I'm going to use Samba. So SMB colon, oh, wrong keyboard. SMB colon <laughs> slash slash. I've typed so many things into the Pi. Uh, and then our Pi. So 192.168.0.101. And you shall see if all goes well. Let's see if it's. Yeah, there we are. IF config. 192.168.0.101. If Samba's running, which it should be, unless I broke something when I tried to uh, do that, I could. Let's do etc slash init.d slash, and this is going to be a pseudo command, uh, slash Samba status. And it says active running. So it is running. So it's actually my computer having the problem. I could try restarting it. This is on the Pi, see? Nice. So it's just Samba. So quick. So you could add a, a Samba share. Reb Jenk was asking about that uh, by going sudo nano etc samba samba.conf. No, smb.conf. And then you can add your Samba share to okay. this file here. Go down to the very bottom. It's probably somewhere in there. Yeah, you can see how they're already configured, and you cr create your own for your NAS. Okay, cool. So starts at splash screens there. So you can create one called NAS. Nice. Cool. Uh, let's see if I can get there this time. It's not going to let me. There we go. I had to refresh. Okay, so I'm connected through, through Samba, and you see a folder called ROMs, and I can go into that, and here are all the systems that are supported on the RetroPie. Isn't that crazy? So let's see. Okay, what ROMs do I have? I've got a couple that I brought with me here. So Atari 2600. Yep. We've got the, the, the classics, Qbert, Pitfall, Pac-Man, oh, Galaxian, Galaxian, Defender, and Yars Revenge. Okay, so we're going to find on the Samba share here Atari 2600 and paste. Okay, next system that I have is the N64. We've got, of course, 1080 snowboarding. Yes. How cool is that? Uh, a whole bunch of classics. So let's throw those into N64. I can press N to jump down to it. There we go. And paste. So you can see it's actually quite quick to drop these ROMs onto there. Now, that's 432 megs. You were asking right. about the space that we're going to be using. That's right. So the N64, of course, 64-bit. The files start to get larger. Right. Um, whereas the Atari 2600, look at that. They're 4.1K um, <laughs> for an entire game. That's Defender. Classic. N64, on the other hand, 1080 snowboarding is 16.8 uh, megabytes. Wow. All right, then we get into Nintendo Entertainment System. These are the games that I own, and these, uh, I mean, it takes me Dr. back. Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario. But Oh, my goodness. Ty Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That was a great game. I used to play with my grandma. Really? Yeah. Did she kick your butt? She totally did. She punched yeah. you out? <laughs> Super Mario Bros., same thing, taking turns, playing Mario and Luigi. Tetris was... Uh, Grandma used to sit in the basement oh. of her house playing Tetris on the NES. So That's this, awesome. This one takes me way back. Okay, so I'm going to pop those on as well. So I'm going to highlight those, copy, and go over to the NES. Uh, there it is. That's Nintendo Entertainment System. That one was nice and quick. And Othello. 25 keys. That's it. For all of it? That, for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
PlayStation, Tomb Raider is the only game that I had a ROM of that I own. Um, so there we go. I'm going to grab that one. Notice that it is Tomb Raider is 652 megs. Okay. See, it starts to get rather large. Yes. Right? Uh, so that's on the PlayStation. So let's see. Play doesn't come up. Let's try Sony. No. So where's it's probably, PlayStation? It's probably here? PS. PS? There's PSP, PSX. PSX. Do you see PS, though? Uh, we know that they have it, maybe. but we're not seeing it yeah. here just now. Play? PS? PSP? PSX? Could it be PSX? Yeah. For PlayStation X. Maybe X- various versions? I don't know. X marks the spot. Well, okay, totally unrelated to the ROM. Do you remember what that failed Nintendo console was where it stands up and you put your head in it? Uh, was, that game, the, was that the Virtual Boy? Or? Virtual Boy. Yeah. The red graphics. Yes. Virtual reality. That thing crashed and burned real oh, quick. Oh, man. Neat idea, if, though. I wonder if they have ROMs. I never got to play them, so I always wondered if there was ROMs for that. I don't know how you would play it. I don't know. Because it was bas- basically 3D vector graphics. Wonder Very if I used a Samsung graphics. Gear VR headpiece. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bring it back for all the players who <laughs> never right. actually got to try it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did try one in the store once, and it was pretty pretty bad. But yet, <laughs> because it was what it was, it was well, really course. cool. Um, so well, it was right. like cutting edge technology. At the oh time. yeah, it was amazing. So these systems, there's so many. Hey, Sega 32X. There we go. Oh, good old Sonic. Do you remember the 32X? No, this is the 32X. Oh, this, this is the... Um, oh, that's the original. No. Uh, Sega Genesis. Yeah. They had... That was the console that took the cartridges. Yes. Then, kind of like Nintendo had the Game Genie. Yes. Sega 32X brought from the 16-bit console something that you could insert into the... Con- yes, the, I remember that. And it would give you 32-bit gaming but they only released a, a handful of games on it because yeah. then like cds became all the thing that's and, right and so it just i i don't know that it failed it was more it was an upgrade to the the genesis so right. it wasn't quite but it just quickly its became obsolete it really did yeah the, system. the master system uh which we know here in canada and i believe in the united states as well as the uh, sega genesis yes um so let's go into the genesis folder and so that is there, and I'm grabbing, you know, all the ones that I have. Sega Mega Drive. Oh my goodness, these are all classics. Like I'm just looking at these titles, I'm getting all nostalgic and oh yeah, loving it. How did I do that? Apparently, I already put them in there. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it came with some. Huh. No, those are the same ones that I just. They no, pro- they're not. I don't know. Lemmings. Oh, Sega man. Mega Drive. Sega Master System. Oh, I maybe just copied it twice by accident. So oh, maybe okay. we have two copies of everything. Okay, and then the Super NES. Yes. Is the final one that I owned as a kid. Um, SNES? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So now that all these ROMs are copied over, so they're not necessarily ending in ROM, they're, they're ROM files, and if they are zip files... I'm not sure. Some of the emulators will allow you to use the zips. I just decided to unzip them anyways. Yeah. Um, so now those are in. So let's restart the RetroPie. So with my uh, terminal here, I'm going to go sudo reboot because I'm ready to go. I've got those. F- oh, wait. You know what I want to do first? Sudo sync 
because this is a um, micro SD card, I want to make sure that all those changes that I just copied over are actually written to the disk. Um, so now that's done. I don't want to lose anything in the reboot. So sudo reboot, and now that pi is going to go down for a reboot. It's already gone. And there we go. Okay, so now when it comes up, this is our moment of truth. This is the real deal. I'm so excited. Are we going to be able to get into retro gaming? If not, we'll blame it on the internet. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish that we had the controller up and going for sure, but we're going to be able to do this. So now we're, we're basically done. I mean, this, I could plug this into the TV and, uh, and with an internet connection, yep. I could activate the needed drivers for the controller and have retro gaming right away. I've got the games in there, and I think it's, uh, it's going to work. Excited. Give it a go. Emulation station loading. Anticipation. It's so thick in the room. Okay. No gamepad detected. Hold a button. Keyboard. Okay. So how do we just... No. How do I just continue? I got an idea. What? Why don't I do the news? You configure your keyboard. You do the news, man. That w- That's like, right. You've got internet. We, yeah. That's nice. I've got the internet. All right. You take... Uh, through the magic of television, I'm going to whisk away to the newsroom. Here we go. <laughs> it's Tuesday, March 8th, 2016, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Six Flags guests will wear Samsung Gear VR on roller coasters for virtual reality experiences, and Google's expanding its right to be forgotten in Europe, but it just means that you'll now need a VPN to get access to unfiltered search results. And Samsung, again, is now shipping its 15-terabyte solid-state hard drives. And Microsoft SQL Server is coming to <clears throat> Linux. That's right. And them there pirates are getting more sophisticated. Arr. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Robbie Ferguson, and I love being a Vimeo Pro member. As a web broadcaster, I need an affordable video hosting platform that's as flexible as me. A pro membership lets you upload up to 20 gigabytes of HD video each and every week with no additional bandwidth restrictions. That means if you produce a show that uses even up to 20 gigabytes of storage, your limit resets itself the following week, so you can do another 20 gigabytes. And keep doing that week after week. Now, Category 5, with all of our shows, use roughly 10 gigabytes per week. From there, Vimeo automatically generates all the files that you need to provision your RSS feeds, Roku channel, website media player, or even video downloads in multiple bit rates, with no limits on your bandwidth usage or how many people can access your files. What's best? The price is astonishingly affordable. And for a limited time, friends of the Category5.tv network will receive a whopping 25% off the annual price. All you have to do is go through our link, cat5.tv slash Vimeo, and sign up today for your 25% discount. To top it off, you get 30 days to try it risk-free. If you're not happy with Vimeo Pro, you pay nothing. The deal is only for a very limited time. Go to cat5.tv slash Vimeo. I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Disney theme parks have been using virtual reality to design new rides and attractions, and Landmark Entertainment is building a virtual reality theme park in China. 
But now Six Flags Entertainment Corporation is bringing virtual reality to actual roller coasters across nine of its theme parks this month. Six Flags has partnered with Samsung Electronics America to integrate the Mobile Gear VR device into virtual reality rides that were designed to take advantage of every twist and turn in the roller coaster track. Samsung, Samsung is now the official technology partner quotations, of Six Flags, and its Facebook Oculus technology has powered uh, two new virtual reality rides. This sounds so cool. I'm excited about this. Nick DiCarlo, Vice President and General Manager of Immersive Products and Virtual Reality at Samsung, what an awesome department, says Six Flags patrons will experience Gear VR from uh, Galaxy S6 Edge and newer devices. The Senior Vice President of Marketing of Six Six Flags says the company has been exploring virtual reality for years, but now the technology exists to deliver the types of -of one-of-a-kind experiences it was looking for. By adding virtual reality to the pre-existing rides, theme parks are able to uh, change experiences from year to year without constructing new multi-million dollar rides. One ride being launched puts riders in the co-pilot seat of fighter jets battling aliens in air-to-air combat. The ride even allows riders to fire weapons at alien ships through new interactive gameplay technology that takes advantage of Gear VR's video game capabilities. Okay, what I love about this story is it's just so stinking cool. What I I really struggle with though is I mean uh, we okay so in Toronto we've got Canada's Wonderland and there's right. a uh, there's the ride Top Gun. If you've ever been on Top Gun, by the time you're done the ride, your brains are scrambled because your head's doing this all ride long. Yeah. So if you're wearing the Gear VR, how, first off, how's that going to affect the technology or the components within the Samsung device? But second, if you're going all ride long, is that going to affect how the video plays is it are you gonna have to like hold the the, Mm. like there's elements to it that i'm going what happens if and what if it falls off your head mid-ride you're you don't know if you're gonna be able to they'll strap you in like like yeah (laughs) could they augment reality though in the games like so that you're on a roller coaster and suddenly a monster comes up from behind the hill or something and totally adds a freaky new level to to the rides i i, I don't know but I, i'm excited about this to the point that could be neat i want to go down to a six flags park there to try go. it just to see uh so i don't know story of my life uh, there's a <laughs> just want to go to six flags that's right just send me to six flags <laughs> All right. When Google was ordered to start censoring its search results for users within Europe back in 2014, it meant that anyone who requested delisted information from any of the search giant's European sites couldn't access it. There was, however, one giant hole in that system. Anyone visiting Google.com got a full list of results regardless of where they were accessing the search engine from, essentially rendering the right-to-be-forgotten ruling a bit pointless. So from this week, that's set to change as users within Europe to any of Google's search engines will now be subject to the same set of restricted results. In November last year, around 18 months after Google started enacting removal requests, it said that it had removed more than 440,000 links from its search results. Now, of course, users outside of Europe get the same unedited results. So, I mean, I guess firing up a VPN and selecting an appropriate IP address is still an option if you want to see the full list of results. Now, for Google to stop this, it would need to put the right to be forgotten into effect for all of its sites and all users, which doesn't sound likely anytime soon. So whether or not European residents should need to use a VPN to access uncensored search results is a different question altogether. Sounds like a whole lot of legal stuff. I don't even want to touch it. I just, 
I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing, but I hope it doesn't come to Canada. I don't know. Do, do people? I don't know. I, I guess this is kind of a personal question. Do you want to be forgotten in your search results or not? I think it's like the whole legal semantics that, oh, yeah, we'll comply, but only if you live here and are yeah. using an internet connection. It's really just, okay, well, we'll block it in this area. Yeah. And so then know. it starts to feel like, oh, well, you're not really blocking it at all anyways. What happens if somebody's traveling? Like, then they have access to stuff that they normally wouldn't. You travel to Florida from the UK and... So you can still get you can still access. find the so it's not so it's not the right to be forgotten. It's the right to be restricted, removed from Google's results in Europe. Right. I I, I wonder if to, f- to gen- genuinely fix the issue, the root issue, if it would have to be an ISP issue though. I don't know. Anyway, could could be done. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> we got more news on Samsung, and that's more important right about now. Ah, yes. They have announced that is now shipping its. PM1633A solid state drive. Now, that's a really boring, mundane name for a drive that's anything but. The PM1633A isn't just the biggest solid state drive around, it's straight up the biggest drive around. Get this it's 15.36 terabytes. Not gigabytes, terabytes. A 13.36 terabyte solid state drive. That's massive. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that data? <laughs> That's a whole lot of retro games right there. Let me just tell you. Oh, my goodness. 15 gig- uh, terabytes. Terabytes. Not gigs. Terabytes. That's dangerous, Will Robinson. <laughs> anyway, so it, it's safe to say that the 15.36 terabytes, I'm, I'm going to enjoy saying that, it dwarfs any other solid-state drive and surpasses the capacity of even the very largest magnetic spinning disks. Now, remarkably, it packs all the storage into a conventional 2.5-inch package. <sighs> I've got a... Th- okay. The company explained... <laughs> The company explained how this you. Was, that's right. They explained how this was done in August last year. Now, while traditional integrated circuits, whether processors or flash memory or RAM or anything else, have a flat, essentially 2D structure, this drive uses Samsung's three-dimensional V uh, NAND technology, which vertically stacks 48 layers of NAND cells to greatly increase the storage density. Now, the PM1633A is aimed at enterprise markets, and Samsung says that the drive supports 15.36 terabytes uh, of writes per day over its five-year life cycle. Now, if anybody followed quotes from Bill Gates roughly like the early 90s or late 80s, he made a comment that we would never need more than one terabyte or one gigabyte. It's like all, hey, only 640K of extended memory. That's all you need. That's right. Sorry. Here we're looking at ROMs for the Raspberry Pi that are going over a gig. Oh. 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 It's working. I'll talk to you about that in a couple minutes' time. Okay. I've got to get through the news now. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Microsoft has revealed that their new version of SQL server software uh, was made from Linux, and it will be released in mid-2017. That's right, Windows and Microsoft. You bend to Linux. The creation of the software is a significant step for Microsoft, which is traditionally focused on its core Windows operating system. Microsoft's SQL Server is one of the company's core products, and the Windows version is used by many customers to run and manage databases. Now, Microsoft has about 21% of the share of the database software market, and it suggests figures uh, by suggested figures from an analyst firm, Gartner. Now, Oracle, who may provide MySQL, is the market leader. 
Microsoft imagines the release of SQL Server for Linux will help with uh, help them compete with that company. Uh, the move also puts Microsoft into more direct competition with IBM and SAP. There are also a lot of free Linux-based database programs available. The re- release of SQL Server is one among several steps Microsoft has taken to work more closely with Linux and its advocates. The data center management software Microsoft uses for its Azure service is based on Linux, and it's also produced software that helps people manage Linux servers and has released an analytics package called R-Server that works with several different versions of Linux. Now, the greater willingness to work with former rivals has been one of the hallmarks of boss Satya Nadella's reign at Microsoft. Mr. Nadella took over as chief executive in February of 2014, and quite frankly, I'm happy he's working with some of those other companies because... Linux just rocks. Okay, so when it comes to the term pirate and hacker, which is interestingly enough a conversation I had with my son a few weeks ago. He's like, Daddy, what's hacking? And I'm like, well, son, and I explained the difference between... Let me show you. That's right. I explained the difference between (laughs) hacking and cracking, and I'm like, yes, let me educate you. Mm. So... When the, ter- when the terms pirate and hacker are used in the same sentence, usually it's a reference for someone breaking digital rights management on software. But that's not the case here. A global shipping company has been victim of piracy of the seafaring kind, Arr, aided by a network intrusion. The shipping company experienced a series of hit-and-run attacks by pirates who, instead of seeking a ransom from the crew and cargo, went after specific shipping containers and made off with the high-value cargo. Security investigators into the crime discovered that the shipping company used a homegrown web-based content management system to manage bills of lading uh, for their cargo ships. And an examination of the network traffic to the CMS revealed a web shell script that had been uploaded to the server through a vulnerability in the software. The shell script backdoor gave attackers remote access to the server, allowing the upload and download of files. And in this case, specifically the downloading of bills of lading for the company's ships. The attackers had compromised a number of the system passwords in the process as well. So the shipping company shut down the server to fix the vulnerability, and then they blocked the IP address of the pirate hacker, ending the targeted attacks. Piracy, bad. But this is a pretty cool story. It's ironic. It is ironic. (laughs) But when I first read this story, I was like, okay, you know what? That's that's like a made for like internet TV movie right there. there. We'll we'll enact it. That's right. You it, be the pirate. I'll be I'll be the CMS developer. <laughs> <laughs> Darn pirates! They've gotten in. Oh, <laughs> uh, just still, it was a really interesting story. I mean, not good, but really interesting story. Mm-hmm. So. Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story that you'd like to send, uh, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, that's right, Microsoft, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. From the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston. Thanks, Jeff. This is, <laughs> this is Category 5 Technology TV, and our website is www.category5.tv. We're just about out of time, but we're going to spend the rest of it playing retro games.